What's up? Welcome back to the Lost in Transit podcast. I'm your host, Spud Groshon. Today on the show, we have Australian travel photographer, Lauren Bath. Lauren has been dubbed by some as Australia's first professional Instagrammer. Lauren is so much more than that, though. Lauren is also a very well-versed businesswoman. She runs travel tours and also does a lot of work for tourism boards across the globe. Her and her partners run something they call a travel boot camp, where they teach you how to make money off of traveling. I hope you enjoy this episode, and please come back again. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Lauren Bath. She's an Australian photographer and has been dubbed Australia's first professional Instagrammer. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, So... I wanted to know if you could give us a brief little introduction to you and how you got into travel and how you became Australia's first professional <laughs> Instagrammer. Uh, sure thing. Well, I uh, I was a chef in my previous life. I worked as a chef um, pretty much straight from high school and was doing that for 15 years. And about two years before I quit that profession, I stumbled across Instagram and started to use the uh, app as a bit of a hobby. Uh, it got me into first mobile photography, um, and then I sort of fell in love with that process and decided to buy a camera and got my first camera. Uh, that was in 2011, so quite a while ago now, almost eight years on the platform. Uh, I was luckily around when Instagram started really booming and it became very popular. Uh, at that point, I was already using my camera. I was offering something different to a lot of people on the platform. And I went gangbusters. Uh, my account grew to about 200,000 followers. Uh, still working as a chef at this stage, um, but starting to see some opportunity in doing something with that audience and, and with that platform. Uh, so I basically sat down with my boss. Um, and said that I wanted to quit my job so that I'd have more time to Instagram. Um, of course, everybody laughed at me. Uh, and I had a bit of a plan, and the plan was to take any opportunities that were coming my way, uh, which a few were starting to because Instagram was becoming quite popular at that point, um, and also to do a little bit of commercial photography and just see where the wind took me. Um, but ultimately, I wanted to travel. That was the goal. So I knew when I was chasing opportunity that I would be contacting tourism boards and trying to get a foot in the door with our tourism marketing. Uh, so I quit my job five years ago and started to do that. And miraculously, everything worked out as I'd envisioned. Um, I was laughed at a few times when I uh, basically cold, cold canvassed tourism boards and said, will you pay me to Instagram your destination? Um, but I also got a lot of yeses and they started my career. And after about 18 months, I think it was, um, an Australian online news publication titled me Australia's first professional Instagrammer, uh, meaning that I was the first person in the country to really effectively monetize my Instagram audience, my reach. Um, and since then, I've gone from strength to strength. Uh, I also do campaign management. So I work on big campaigns. I run a conference. I do lots of consultancy and public speaking. Uh, and yeah, um, always coming up with new ideas, always traveling and still really loving it. Going back to the beginning of even before Instagram, where was the first place you traveled? The very first place I traveled was Thailand and I was 26. So I was a very late adopter to, um, to overseas travel. 
being in Thailand, did that kind of change everything for you in the sense that uh, it helped push you towards being a photographer or was it more the Instagram thing? Well, look, it's a it's a pretty funny story, actually. Um, I went to Thailand twice and then I went to Indonesia. I went to Bali with a friend of mine. And at the time, I was in a very long-term relationship. Uh, I'd been with my ex-partner for 10 years. And after the trip to Bali, it was, it was definitely that trip. Uh, I sort of came home and I said, I just don't want to live this life anymore. I, I don't want to work for the man and I don't want to have to you know, save up all year just to go on one holiday. And, you know, I really think that, you know, this is not for me. And my partner at the time sort of said, don't be so silly. <laughs> You've just come from a holiday. Uh, and I sort of pondered that for a little while and ultimately decided that I I was going to leave him <laughs> um, over my newfound uh, need to travel. Um, so I did. I moved back to the Gold Coast uh, where my family is from. I went overseas for three months initially, um, but when I moved back to the Gold Coast, I met my current partner <laughs> accidentally, as is always the case. So all of those travel aspirations really came to a halt because although I still wanted to travel, I was also falling in love and you know, I'd met a couple of good friends on the Gold Coast, my best friend uh, who I worked with as, as a chef. And it was kind of grounding me here again. So when all of the Instagram stuff happened, it really felt like it was fate intervening in my life and giving me that opportunity that I'd always wanted. So now I do get to travel as much as I want, but I still am in a relationship with my partner, Emmanuel, and he's very supportive of my work. And it's, yeah, it's everything I could have asked for. When you travel, can you separate personal from work is there any separation or is it kind of all in the same well when i decided that i wanted to do this job i actually sat down and asked myself what i want to do with my life and it's that classic question you know if you didn't have to make money what would you be doing and i wrote down travel uh photography and instagram the three things that i love most so really what i do is what i would be doing anyway and I, I designed it that way. You know, I, I designed this career from scratch. Nobody was doing it before me. I had nobody to aspire to. I just created it. So when I travel for work versus when I travel for pleasure, um, there's obviously a little bit more pressure when it's work travel um, because you know you want to get the content because you're being paid and you want to impress your client. But when I travel by myself or with my partner or my mom or, you know, any sort of personal travel, I'm still doing the same things. You know, I'm still waking up for sunrise and trying to get great shots and great stories. And I'm still sharing that on Instagram and other social media. So there's not a huge difference. It, it really is, you know, that passion that, that I wanted to create for myself. So I'm very lucky in that way. Yeah, not everybody loves their job like that. Or can, I know. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. Um, okay, so where are some of the places that your travel has taken you? Oh, wow. So beforehand, uh, when I was traveling on a chef's salary, <laughs> uh, Southeast Asia was obviously, um, that's a destination that a lot of Australians visit because it's quite close and quite inexpensive. So previously to quitting my job and getting into destination marketing, uh, Thailand and Indonesia 
uh, you know, a little bit of Cambodia as well. Um, my partner is from Zimbabwe, so I had also travelled to Zimbabwe prior to quitting my job. Uh, but now with work, I, I basically go where the work takes me. I don't ever say no to any destination. Uh, everything to me is there waiting to be explored and waiting to find, you know, amazing things to love about that destination. So some of the places I'd say weren't even remotely on my radar uh, that I've ended up visiting. I uh, have included Canada. Uh, Canada, I just had never thought of it. I just didn't think it would be a place that I'd go. And I fell in love with it. It's one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, same with New Zealand. Uh, it's so close. So many Australians think, oh, it's just like Australia, you know, we'll do that one day. Uh, but now I've been to New Zealand probably 10 or 12 times and I always consistently love it. Uh, far out. I've been to Africa, uh, South Africa and Zimbabwe. I've been back to Zimbabwe multiple times. Uh, I've been to crazy places like Finnish Lapland, um, which I've actually been to three times and loved. I've been to Dubai. I've been to Oman. I've been to Jordan. Uh, I've been throughout Europe. I've been to South America, Central America. Uh, I've been to the Yukon. Just so many places that I wouldn't have thought to go. It's, it's really fun. And in any of these travels, have, has it ever been unsafe anywhere you've been? Uh, look, I don't think that there are places that, you know, I don't really like that that definition. I've been to places that are dubbed by the media as unsafe. Uh, I've been to Johannesburg in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And because of everything that I'd heard and everything that I'd read, I was, you know, a little bit scared, a little bit skittish. But I think as long as you're with a good guide, uh, as long as you know what to expect and you're being careful and you have your wits about you, uh, then I think that most places in the world, you know, obviously apart from active war zones, I think that they, they're all there to be explored. Um, recently I was in Buenos Aires and I went to a very popular tourist spot called La Boca. And like everybody I know was saying to me, don't go there, like mind your wallet you're going to be held up and you know all this crazy stuff so I was terrified by the time I actually got there Um, but I was just careful I just stayed on the main tourist path and got a registered taxi there and I was with a friend and I watched my gear and it was totally fine so um yeah probably uh, places that are dubbed less safe would be Johannesburg and Buenos Aires Um, but I found both of them really fine Uh, I just had to be aware uh, I was recently in Buenos Aires and it was lovely. It was so beautiful. It's uh, so nice, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. Had no problems with anybody. Just wandered freely. Everyone said the okay. same. Everyone said the same about Rio, and I didn't. I didn't really have any trouble there either. Yeah, I've heard that about Brazil as well. I've heard Brazil's quite um, quite unsafe, but it wouldn't stop me from going. Mm-hmm. Nope, never. Uh, nothing. I don't think anything will stop me from going anywhere. Um, okay, so of all the places you've been back to, yes, which are your favorites? Ah, oh, well, Zimbabwe is definitely one. Uh, obviously, I have strong ties to that country because that's where my partner is from, and we're actually coming up to our tenth um, anniversary, so we've been together for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Canada uh, is a place that I've been back to quite a number of times and I still very much enjoy. And to be honest, I actually, I really love going back to the same destinations in general. 
Uh, I'm not one of those people that just wants to tick off as many countries as possible and, you know, have that have that number to brag about. Most places that I go, I go back to. Um, so Finland, you know, that random sort of Inari in Finnish Lapland that I've been back to three times. It's so odd uh, that you've been to Lapland three times. I know. Isn't that strange? Yes, very much. <laughs> I, I've, I've been to Helsinki many times, but never, never north, never to Lapland. No, you've got to get up there. It's so beautiful. And if you go when the uh, northern lights are there, it's, yeah, it's amazing. I saw the northern lights for the first time in Finland. Okay. I, the, I was in Iceland the first time I saw them. Oh, that's nice too. So incredible. So incredible. Though that was gonna I was gonna ask, you were in Lapland in winter then? Uh not dead of winter because in dead of winter there's twenty four hours of darkness. <laughs> but I was there I think it was either the start or the end of winter, I can't remember which. Um but yeah, there was still about six or seven hours of daylight plus northern lights um potential of an evening. That's not bad. Seven hours of daylight is yeah. like, that's that's fine. That's enough sun. <laughs> it's actually the dream for a travel photographer because I have to be up for sunrise to shoot. And I also am obviously shooting sunset and sometimes into the evening. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of winter, when it's short days, it means that I can knock off at like six o'clock. <laughs> have lots of time for editing and social media. But in summertime, you know, I've got to be up at 3.30 or 4 o'clock to catch a sunrise. And I'm still shooting at nine o'clock. Crazy. And just no sleep at all. No sleep. Well, I still try and get my sleep. Um, sometimes I make tough decisions to skip a sunset or a sunrise, um, but I don't like to. So basically give me a perpetual winter. I'll just uh, travel around the world chasing winter and I'd be happy. <laughs> Better light and I love to ski. It seems like such the opposite of what most Australians would say. I know, I know. <laughs> um, when you were young, did you do any travel in Australia? Not very much, to be honest. Um, I was raised by a single mom and she had to work full time and we just didn't really do many holiday things. Uh, I do remember a couple of little trips, uh, but no, nothing really to write home about. In saying that, I do a lot of travel within Australia now for work um, amongst some of my best clients, uh, regional and state tourism boards in Australia. So I would say roughly half of my travel work is in Australia. And I've been really lucky to go to every state, nearly every region, you know, every corner of Australia from the most remote to our external territories on Norfolk Island and Christmas Island. So it's, yeah, it's been really amazing for me to get to know more about my own country as well. Is there, is there a part of Australia that you would recommend somebody who's never been to Australia to see? Well, I recommend pretty much everywhere in Australia. I'm, I'm such a fan. But some of my favourites are the Kimberley uh, in Western Australia. It's, oh, you just, you have to. Um, I love Uluru, uh, which is our big red rock in the middle of the desert. That's yep. in the Northern Territory. I love Tasmania. Tasmania has recently been just crushing it in the tourism stakes. Uh, people are really starting to pay attention and, and lots more visitation. I, uh, I, I've I actually been to Tasmania on like a specific oh, trip to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. 
Uh, I've just come back from the Flinders Ranges in South Australia and I'm starting to do more travel in South Australia, uh, which is really fun and I love the outback. So I did lots of hiking and road trips and yeah, all the fun stuff. Uh, I live in Queensland. Uh, so Queensland and New South Wales are both places that I'm regularly in and around. I spend a lot of time in Sydney doing meetings and um, going down for events uh, and God, I've hit just about every state now, so I may as well mention uh, Victoria. Um, which I, so every state in Australia, there's something amazing to do. I think if you're going to come from overseas, uh, definitely allow at least a month and try and get to at least most of the states, if not all of them. I know a lot of, I've met a lot of people who've come or gone to Australia and they tend to do... Uh, they t- tend to do Queensland and like end in Sydney or Melbourne, but they end up doing like the Whit Sundays and all of the stuff along the coast up there. And it, uh, I just haven't made it up there. I want to really bad, but every time I'm there, I end up yeah. in I end up in Victoria for some reason. <laughs> Random. I love Victoria. You know, I really love Melbourne as a city, um, and I love the Great Ocean Road and the Grampians, and yeah, there's there's just so much good stuff in Australia. But most people who come for a first trip, generally they'll do the Gold Coast, which is actually where I live. Okay. Um, they'll do the Gold Coast and a little bit of Queensland, usually the Great Barrier Reef, so with Sundays, like you said, or up in Cairns. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they'll do Sydney, as you said, Sydney or Melbourne, and often they'll do Uluru um, because it's very iconic and it's the outback and it's the Northern Territory. So it is quite common for people to do you know, Gold Coast, Sydney, Uluru or something similar to that. Um, but there's so much good stuff in the other states. So uh, it's hard. It's really hard to choose. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful country. Trust I enjoy going there way too much. <laughs> Come back. Uh, it's been it's been over a year now. But yeah, it's definitely on the list. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, so switching from some of your travel experiences to some of your work experiences. Uh, I see that you run a travel boot camp. I do. <laughs> could you could you explain a little bit about that? So the travel boot camp is actually a conference, and we've recently noticed. I have two business partners. Um, I'll talk about them in a sec. Um, but we've recently noticed that a lot of people are using the term boot camp for their for their conferences and for their events and their um, like sessions. We think that we came up with the name. We're not sure, but we were actually brainstorming. Basically, we want we wanted to teach people how to get paid to travel. So my business partners are Georgia Rickard. She's a travel writer. Uh, Elizabeth Carlson, who's a travel blogger. And obviously myself, I'm a travel Instagrammer. Uh, the concept was Georgia's idea. She's a very well-known writer in Australia, and she's been at, uh, the editor of Australian Traveler magazine as well. So she's She's massive in the traditional marketing side of things. Okay. So Georgia came to me and said, wouldn't it be great if we, you know, a blogger, a, a writer and an Instagram, I banded together and taught people how to get paid to travel. I said it was a great idea and I knew Liz. And when we were brainstorming for the name, you know, the one thing that kept coming to mind was that we wanted to actually teach people, you know, useful information, not just fluff. And we wanted to teach them everything we knew. We wanted it to be a massive brain explosion, like such an overload of information and such a refreshing, you know, amount of information when so many conferences are just sort of surface level and inspo and 
you know, we were like, let's tell people what we get paid and let's tell people, you know, let's show them emails that we write and pictures and how to get clients and, and let's give them notes that they can like take home. So we were like, how do we define a day like that that people just walk out of saying, holy shit? <laughs> and we decided on boot camp. <laughs> I mean, decided it, on camp. <laughs> it definitely sounds like a boot camp. It is. So it, it actually, uh, registration starts at 7.30 in the morning. And I think we kick off at like quarter to eight and we we go through until about 5.30 and then we do networking and we, we often have sort of, you know, our sponsors and, and other industry people there as well. So it's, it's a 12-hour day. And wow. by the end of it, yeah, people's brains do want to explode. But we do give really amazing, like huge number of course notes. I think people walk away with over 100 pages of course notes that align with the presentations we give. So people take a lot in on the day and what they don't retain, they know they have it in that sort of physical copy. And yeah, it's been a huge success. Uh, we don't market it very well because we're so busy. All three of us have successful careers. Um, but we're about to do our fifth event and we have over 100 every time and great sponsors and it's just a really fun inspiring day um great networking all of our delegates go on to be friends and we all you know we're all in big facebook pages and we have people that travel from overseas for it uh, we've had lots of americans come um and canadians we've had people come from europe and asia and new zealand and the other side of australia so yeah there's nothing really like it in the world i don't think um and i love the combination of the three of us because I don't think it's smart to put all of your eggs in one basket. I think if you want to be an Instagrammer, you should also know how to blog. You should also have a blog, you know, something that you own. Um, if you're a writer, you should also have social media. You know, if you're a blogger, you should also be pitching traditional stories. So it all aligns really, really well. That sounds wonderful. Uh, it also sounds like it'd kick everyone's ass. <laughs> Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, you also do photo workshops. Is this, I, I read on your website that you were doing a photo workshop or have you been doing them in the past? Yeah, no, um, photo workshops were never something I was that interested in. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that I initially set up in my business. Okay. But, um, but with all of my travels to Zimbabwe and spending time with my partner's family and you know, getting to experience some of the tourism product over there. I've actually really fallen in love with that place. And the second to last time I was over there, I was sitting and chatting with um, Emmanuel's brother. And um, and the idea just struck me that I, I wanted to bring people to Zim. You know, I think it's actually one of those destinations that people might think, oh, Zimbabwe, it's a bit unsafe. Um, it has that sort of stigma attached to it um, because of bad press. But it is nothing at all like that um it's so safe it's beautiful the people are lovely and warm uh there's great like great world-class tourism product over there and i thought if i could find a way to incorporate emmanuel's family uh like some sort of a village experience something really authentic um and also support a couple of the conservation efforts over there that i've become involved with um and also have like a great photography element and you know, all of these things that, that I love. Um, and I decided to just do it. So I went to Zim in February with uh, my partner and um, a good friend of mine, Jules Lynch. And the three of us scouted out an itinerary, checked out all of the um, different 
operators that I plan to use, chatted to everybody, and I am going to be offering my first photography tour next year, and that is to Zimbabwe. <laughs> so that's really exciting. That's really exciting, especially with something you're so passionate about. Yeah, or, and or... that's you know that's the thing. You have to have the passion, and I I've never done anything in my career that I'm not passionate about, and I think that that you know a lot of my success comes down to that. It's not about the money. It's about doing what I love and, and sharing that with people. Yeah. I, I can understand that. Mm. Okay. So as I'm winding up here, uh, I've got one more question for you and then we'll call it a day. Um, Sounds good. So if you could offer one piece of advice to any traveler, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one because there's so much advice you can give. Um, I would just say preparedness. Um, I'm a very prepared traveler. Uh, and by prepared, it sort of comes down to the planning, um, the packing, knowing what you're getting yourself in for, having the right gear when you get there, knowing the right places to go to. Um, those are all really important. Um, I don't micromanage my trips and I don't, I don't go in with preconceived ideas and I don't have like a hundred places chosen to visit. Um, but I do always travel with everything I could possibly need. Um, spare camera gear in case something breaks, uh, spare phone in case I lose my phone, spare credit cards, you know, all of that stuff. So that if something bad or unforeseen does happen, I can still continue my trip and, and get the job done and, and still have fun with it. That's awesome. I am 100% the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, God, should I bring shorts or trousers? Oh, I don't need either. <laughs> Just wow. fly by the seat of my pants. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's fun as well. But when it's, when it's work as well, like for me... I just, I have to make sure I can still always do the job. Of course. That is, yeah, that makes sense completely. All right. Well, Lauren, I'd th like to thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Once again, I'd like to thank today's guest, Lauren Bath, for being on the show. I'd also like to thank all of you for listening. Remember to catch us every week on Mondays and Fridays with new releases on iTunes or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Please if, take a second, if you have the time, to rate and review the podcast. If you feel like we could change anything here at Lost in Transit, please feel free to email us at lostintransitpc at gmail.com. You can also check us out on social media. We have Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. All of which are username lost in transit PC. And until next time, get lost.